This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Rubin. How are you this morning? Doing well. Um, We have a guest today. I know. I've been looking forward to it. All week? All week. (laughs) You mentioned it on our last episode, and so I'm pretty excited. So we have with us today the photo director of the New Republic magazine, Stephanie Hyman. Stephanie, this is Suzanne. (laughs) Hi, Stephanie. Happy to be here. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Um, uh, So, Steph, uh, can I call you Steph or Stephanie? How do you... You can call me Steph. (laughs) (laughs) but Suzanne has to call me Stephanie (laughs) I see Um, so Stephanie and I met actually uh, a bunch of years ago in Houston at PhotoFest oh cool you were a judge was that what was going on no I was uh, I was on the I was part of the review faculty that sounds like a judge to me well it might be feel like a judgment when you're (laughs) meeting reviewers (laughs) (laughs) Um, I could certainly see that, yeah. yeah. Photo- photo- <laughs> I, I do remember um, I do remember exactly meeting you, and I remember your work, and I remember that when you sat down, I was like, I was really delighted by your pictures, and you had two series, and I was, I said, well, wait a minute, let's let's combine this into one, and so I, I re-edited all your work. Right. Into- <laughs> that was uh, traumatic. That, it was actually- I know. Exactly. Well, I wasn't used to anyone having an opinion like that. She looked. I mean, I had a set of pictures. It felt like literally two different things. Yeah. And she started interweaving them and looking at these juxtapositions. I love and, that. And I thought, oh. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And then I started showing the set that she had created to me to the other reviewers, and it did pretty well. That, <laughs> so it definitely worked. So she's brilliant. She. Yeah. No, she's good at what she does. Um, and. We're going to talk about today then was the process of um, editing and sequencing and how you can work um, with your photography in such a manner that it, it eventually comes together and creates a, a greater whole. Yeah, I mean, so so many people when they take pictures are concentrating on the discrete unit, like this picture. Is this picture good? Mm-hmm. Right. And we've already talked a little bit about how cool it is in a gallery when you you have to decide, I'm going to put this up, and this is a small image, and I'll put that there. And, and there's it's more than just the image. There's these juxtapositions and the mm-hmm. feelings you get. And Stephanie was someone who's, uh, as the director of photo director at a magazine, is not totally stuck on the images. She's looking at stories. And yeah. I thought that was fascinating, and I thought maybe... regular people could really benefit from how you approach your work. How do you do what you do? Um, That's such a good question. Um, Well, I, I, uh, you know, I think a lot of the work that I am doing at the magazine, specifically at a magazine, um, is trying to distill many photographs into a few photographs um, that will still tell a narrative or a story. And, um, the pages of a magazine are much more finite than um, many other types of um, venues for photography. So, like, if you have an internet, uh, a web story, 
you have much more space. If you have gallery walls, you have the potential to have much more space. But usually in publication, um, pages are really a premium. How, so, many, how many pictures are you trying to boil something down to? Well, actually, um, you know, so that question goes back to how much, um, like the sort of internal fight between the editors as <laughs> every issue we put together is um, everybody's jockeying for space for pages. So um, um, it may turn out that we think, you know, there's a story that has 800 words uh, or 8,000 words, which would be quite long, very long. Um, or it might be, so how many pages does that justify plus art? So um, the conversation goes in every direction. Um, and and it's, it kind of can come down to like... Uh, it can come down to I can I can come to the table and I say oh I I just had this photo shoot done um, and the images are extraordinary and we should give more space to show these extraordinary images and then they might decide to cut words mm. for pictures. So who decides? In the end, is it like you are the photo director, so you have final say on which photos are used? Well, no, it doesn't still work like that. Um, in that. The final say usually comes from the editor-in-chief position. He's the one who is um, directing the overall flow of mm-hmm. um, stories, text, images, and, and text length um, in the publication. And really, it comes down to this, there, you know, for publication, it's, there, it's, there's a lot of teamwork. So um, one of the things that makes for me, um, and in general, I think, a great, um, especially opening image in a magazine mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. the um, headline will refer somewhere somehow into the uh, photograph and the photograph refers and reflects exactly the story topic and that's actually um, it's it definitely means that there's and also with nice design so that that means that there's at least three or four people involved in trying to create that um, that product and um, and so that really does come down to teamwork it's and like it's a not, mobile everything yeah. sort of the weight changes and you have to reshift for, for magazines. Also, it matters how um, the text is going to interplay with the image and that there might be text on the image or it might be next to the image. Um, if it's, if there's negative space um, in the image um, and a lot of times my art director will see things in the, in the imaging and the sequencing that I don't see, hmm. which is very hmm. interesting. And it goes back to this whole concept of editing is that it's very hard to um it's very is a rule of thumb it's very hard to edit your own work oh yeah can do you have any examples of that i think it's really interesting or like a specific example of something that your editor saw or your um creative director saw uh that you didn't in an image um well we did a story about a year ago and the photographer was jonathan lowenstein from chicago and um the story was on neighborhood policing in a particular area outside of Chicago. Um, and um, my art director found an image sequencing that actually was, it was more, it was, it was really, I thought it was great. It was unique. And what he did is he started, he actually managed to get a couple of extra pages. So we started with two double page spreads. Mm-hmm. So that means that the image is going across both pages. And the first one was like the scene setter. It was very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, way to approach this for a magazine. So the first one was the scene setter, which showed um, uh, the front um, steps in the front of a house with an American flag. And then then you turn the page to the next uh, spread. 
and, and it was it's full bleed like the image is full bleed with a uh like a title over the top and copy on uh, the bottom or no copy there had to have been uh um definitely the, on the first one there was some sort of introduction text but i don't remember off the top of my head what it was mm-hmm. and then the second page started launched us into the story but over another full page photograph um and that was uh, it was a, it was a really innovative way to um, start a story, and it required that we had from the get go we had four pages of just almost photography, which was really a, a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was a decision, editorial decision, with the team that the images were strong enough, and that this was an innovative enough way to um, to launch a, a magazine story. And I loved it, and it was his idea. Are there any rules at New Republic where you um, maybe you look for imagery that has some negative space that you could put copy over, or are, are there any brand rules of things that you will do and won't do with text and copy? Um, not necessarily, but it makes sense when I have a photographer who's on assignment that they might think about um, editorial photographers working for publications would think about, um, incorporating, uh, a little bit additional negative space into their composition. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes that's just as much of a exercise as taking a step back from where you think the good picture is because it allows the magazine to, um, to bring the image into the proportions which are needed because magazine proportions are different than for example, 35 millimeter proportions. That's um, uh, interesting to me because so much of photography is composing this image in the frame that you're shooting, and like it's an it's an art form. You go out and you shoot and you do this this make this beautiful picture. And here I give it to an editor, and they've got oh I've only got a little vertical space here. I'm going to crop it and make it as good as I can, but. Uh, it's taken well, away from well, me. The place, the place that that comes into um, to play the most is on a cover. If you're doing a cover shoot, and it really um, it matters a lot because you know, as a photographer, if you're shooting something for a cover, that there's going to be text on it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so this whole conversation really applies almost, um, you know, well, the price applies strongly to cover photographs. Well, you crop stuff in the magazine, right? Well, we do crop. We do crop in the magazine. Although we really, actually, we try not to. Um, you know, as much as we have um, photography and and crafted photography, we either attempt not to crop it. Um, sometimes we need to, just in terms of um, holding the proportions of of a narrative mm-hmm. and of the publication. And um, also, the other thing that comes into play in the magazine is where the gutter falls into right. a picture. Right. And that would, in, in a book format as well, if you were using your pictures, putting them in a book, it's something to consider um, compositionally is where your uh, image and where the gutter hits. Right. I remember that from, like, yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> Composition. Right. Have, have them have a, face into the gutter. If you have a horizontal picture with a person's face, which is center-framed, um, it's, it's very difficult to uh, put the gutter right through somebody's middle of their head. Yeah. Yeah. You said something really interesting about sometimes you need to take a step back from where you think the good photo is. Could you unpack that statement? Well, again, that that is more related to being on assignment. um, And specifically, I would recommend that for photographers who are shooting for covers. Got it. it. And and again, the reason that matters is because um, the uh, proportions of a 35 millimeter are two by one and the proportions of um, what... uh, 
publications are, it's eight inches by 11, so they're not proportionally the same. Bummer. <laughs> you think you could, yeah. set, you could set your camera digitally to have the proportion you need it to have and compose for that at some level, no? I mean, but this this actually applies, you know, I think it applies to a very small part of audience who are shooting necessarily for um, cover um, imagery. But where it, where it does matter and where to take this, move this conversation, I think that um, applies to a lot of people is when you're putting together um, a body of photographs, a sequence of photographs, and especially any time that you'll end up having one that is a cover image for your book or for your portfolio or whatever it is, to remember that that first image is going to function differently than all the rest of the images. And so therefore, a different set of criteria might come into play about how you choose that image. Can I ask a question about your background? I, how did you get into this and recognize your gift for sort of recutting and telling stories through imagery? Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, I, um, I had been pursuing a, a BFA and in university, and then I was required to take a photography course, and I really hated photography. I had no interest in photography. <laughs> the so, irony. I, I put it off uh, this class until I arrived. Um, I did my junior year abroad in Paris, and um, um, I went to do the uh, photography course at Parsons in Paris, and I had an extremely bad attitude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember telling the professor I had no interest in being in this class whatsoever, but it was required for my degree. So... Um, it happened that this was just in the months after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And for spring break that year, and I was based in Paris, um, I decided with some friends to go travel into Eastern Europe. And, um, and I fell into this incredible, marvelous world of, of uh, a whole society whose the, the, the fabric of the society in Eastern Europe was changing at such an incredibly rapid pace after the fall of Berlin Wall, that there were so many stories, like being told everything was a story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized that my um, camera was a way for me to, it was a passport and it was a way for me to tell stories. And it completely changed my mind about the role of photography. I love that. It's at the moments that you least expect it, that you're sort of hard set on not enjoying something and then it changes your life. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how many people have told me stories of like not wanting to go out and being forced to a party and meeting the person they married and thinking, God, I'm glad I went out to that party. I know. It's a little bit of like have an open mind and stay in life, you know, stay open to life. Right. Um, Um, So you don't think of yourself as a photographer? Well, I, I did pursue photography, um, and I was a photojournalist um, uh, for several years after that. And um, at some point, I moved. I actually moved from Moscow to Hong Kong, and I started working as a photo editor because, as it turned out, I needed a visa to stay in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you got to, from uh, Paris, you went to Moscow. That's amazing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then Hong Kong. Yes. <clears throat> what's the is there um let's see a couple of thoughts here when people are photojournalists for a magazine do they 
turn in all their stuff? They just give you like a thousand pictures or do they pick out a couple or do you sit with them and go through them? Uh, and you know, when I shoot something, I might shoot a thousand, but I would pick out like the one and a half percent that are kind of cool. Where, mm-hmm. where do you insert yourself into that? Um, that's such a good question. Um, and actually, um, I, uh, I'm teaching right now at the International Center of Photography in New York. And um, I, my class um, this week, I showed them, they asked that exact question, and I showed them two examples from two assignments that I had this week to answer that question. Hmm. Um, and so the answer, one of these pictures was, or one of the assignments was from... Um, uh, by photographer Amy Lombard, and she visited the Playboy Club in New York that just opened, and she um, she did send me every single picture that she took, and you know she didn't edit anything. It was down to like the blinking and to the half movements of each um, each frame. And then I had another photographer um, in San Francisco uh, photograph a uh, a portrait for me, and she sent me about maybe about 30 pictures from three or four different sort of setups. And so she did edit it for me. And, um, and the answer for me then was, it depends on the photographer. (laughs) Makes sense. It it depends somewhat on, on the assignment. And, and so going back to the, the playboy shoot, what I did is I edited it um, into two groups. I put all my favorites into one folder and that was my first edit and then I made a, a second edit, which I called outtakes in that moment. And then I started going through uh, the story and um, trying to create a, a visual sequence that mm-hmm. um, related to the uh, the text also from from our writer. And um, can you say what the story was about? Oh yeah, this and actually the story was just published this week, so I could give you the link to 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 look at it. Oh, um, great. Um, and um, the story is a, a first-person um, account on visiting uh, the new Playboy Club in New York as a woman and um, encountering the bunnies and encountering the uh, clientele and a question of, like, how do gender dynamics play out at uh, the Playboy Club in New York in 2019 in a post-Me yeah. movement? So, so um a lot of what I was looking for in the imagery is I was look, I was actually looking for the dynamics of of uh, of the patrons in the crowd in the imagery and uh, so some of the images that I loved might not have been that were in my initial edit folder may not have been appropriate for the story necessarily there was a, a limited amount of space um, probably with the text I had like five five or six photo spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so I kept the other thing I was looking for as I went through and and chose these five or six images is that I had um, a diversity mm-hmm. um, of uh, of of women, especially the bunnies who were in the photos, because it turned out in a few moments that it was just the same girl who was repeating three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, then another thing I was looking for was uh, a sort of um, making sure I had uh, sort of kept it dynamic. And um, and also was able to tell the story. So there's a lot of criteria in in um, the way that I I was able to sequence the images. Um, and um, so I, I had to keep going back into that outtakes folder to pull images in 
into my first edit, even though they were my initial favorites, um, that I would have, that I would, that would play better in the, in the big picture. It's interesting. You're like simultaneously zooming in and then zooming out, zooming in, zooming out to find those moments that are really relevant to the story, even though it's not the perfect picture in a way. Um, actually, I mean, it's hard to say that because there were still, there's still so, these pictures are so good. Yeah. (laughs) Do you go online and post the rest of them so people can see more than will fit in the confines of the magazine? Not, this was actually only a web, it was only a web article. And you're limited by space on web articles? Um, well, it was limited by kind of because, um, the web article, I don't know, I can't I'm not sure how many words this was, like a thousand or 1500 maybe. So like every 300 words or something, I'm just making that up. It's Mm -hmm. appropriate to put a photograph, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily more than that. Interesting. You know, it reminded me when you looked at my pictures, you said something that other people have said to me and it was, and I still never really processed it fully, which was your, uh, your pictures are great, but I'm not sure you know which pictures of yours are great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like the pictures I'm showing aren't like my strongest work. And I thought, well, how is that? Like, I, if what does it mean if I don't know what my, how could I be taking great pictures and I not know what are my great pictures? Well, that's the gift of a photo director. I mean, a true curator's eye. Is that what everybody, I mean, so we do this at Neo Modern. People come in with their wedding pictures and I feel like we're pretty good at identifying what will be pictures they're going to like for a long time. But I don't know that, I mean, is that the same thing? They don't, no, n- the nobody knows or do you need outsider? reason why that's not the same thing. The thing that matters when people look at pictures of themselves is that they like the pictures of themselves. Okay. And that's more important than any other criteria. That they look good. That they they like like the way they look. Okay. That they like the way they look, right? That's not necessarily the same as looking good. Okay. It may or may not be. But none of my pictures are of me. They're still pictures I've taken. Right. And that's a different category. And And the pictures that you're taking of the outside world and what makes a great picture of the outside world um, may not be the same exact thing that, that you think because when you look at it, you're bringing so much of your own feeling about how um, the experience was of taking that picture, which is completely divorced in real life from what your picture actually looks like. And that is what bringing in an editor helps do is diffuse your personal experience in taking the picture mm-hmm. with, with the image. And, and yet, you know, I mean... Even um, as, a, as, a, as a professional photo editor, I get very attached also to images, even when I didn't take them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you just, I love that picture, but it doesn't fit the story or it doesn't communicate something yeah. you're trying I, to communicate. I do have another example of this week where um, I'm editing another story um, that will come out uh, in the next two weeks, I think. it will. It's in the magazine and then there's a... a a web version. Um, and the photographs are by um, Danny Wilcox Frazier, who's with Seven Agency. And he um, photographed, he was one of the very first photographers who came in to uh, shoot the and record the um, flooding in, in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so in the magazine, we were able to run four pictures because that's all the, the space we had. 
but um, actually online in this case, I'm running 17 pictures. Oh, cool. Um, I'm dividing that into one one opening images image and then four uh, slideshows with about four images each, so that's 16 more images. And each of those um, slideshows has a theme, and so he had sent me the uh, caption information the second time, and one of them I had wrong, and I had to take a brilliant picture, which I love, and I had to take it out of, I had to take it out. <sighs> Editing is pain. It was pain. It was pain for me, too. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> this overturned car filled with straw is not on the guy's farm. <laughs> it was a picture. That's it. I mean, I, 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 I struggled, and I realized that there was not a choice in that so can I yeah go ahead how do you learn how to do this like how does someone learn to storytell with pictures um there well there's uh and and again that's part of the class that I'm teaching at ICP right now there are different ways that there I'm trying to teach my students through various examples of um, sequencing through, um, like, for example, a time narrative. Like, the images start at 8 o'clock in the morning and they finish at, at 11 p.m., so that's mm -hmm. one approach. Um, another approach was um, maybe compositional editing, where the images visually um, play off each other because they're composed in a similar way. A third mm -hmm. way would be... Um, um, like thematic, that's what I'm doing with uh, Danny's work on Nebraska. Here, here first, we're having some images um, about um, this one man and his his experience and losing things in the flood. And then the next chapter is uh, people who are volunteering or helping to uh, contain the flooding. And, and the third last chapter is here's the damage done on the ground. Um, that would be a, a, an approach, and um, and and there's um, there's a lot of sort of maybe even there's a potential to mix all those things at the same time. So um, what happens? And I think uh, National Geographic is very um, known in their editing process for this type of exercise is a linear edit where you determine uh, the opening photo. And, and you put all your photographs in, in one singular line. Mm -hmm. And then you can um, move them around in order to sort of figure out the sequencing, um, potential sequencing as, as you go. And, and in this type of exercise, you can also identify where there are holes because you don't have a photograph of something that would tell that part of the story right there. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, the photographer, an opportunity to, to go back and shoot it. Oh. Is this not how it's done most of the time? Like in my mind, when you're laying out a thinking about a magazine or a story, it's everyone is still at that wall and all the pages are kind of laid out and all the images are in order. Is that not how it's done anymore? Um, no. It, I, first of all, I think it, it varies from magazine to magazine. Hmm. Uh, and um, it, generally, I would say that it happens more in terms of um, actual story sequencing hmm. and maybe less than um, the individual images inside of a story. What do you mean by that? Oh, um, like, is this, which story is going to come first? Is it oh, the story about um, the, the, uh, is the flooding story going to come first or is the um, profile on this person going to come first and why? 
Got it. So those kind of decisions happen more from the editor-in-chief uh, perspective also. Mm-hmm. What's a challenge in your field? Like, what's the hardest thing about what you do? Like, is it uh, the selecting or are photographers okay with you the way you do it? Do they, you get in fights with photographers about your choices? <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, I don't. Um, I never get in fights with photographers about image choices. I, but actually, um, the I, I do think that um, for a few reasons, I think that the photographers I work with, they, they trust me. Yeah. And also, it's in, you know, in it from a, a publication context, it's imperative to understand from a photography uh, standpoint that the, the photograph is part of uh, it's still part of the team effort in building something else. So there may there's many many times every time the um, photographer's work that is published is not necessarily reflective of what they feel is their best picture. Are, are there all. any pictures that you've you said you fall in love with pictures and are there any pictures that you get to keep or that you then buy from from the photographer and you get to have on your wall? Oh, interesting question. Um, so editorial photography um, and, and assignment work is based on the publication really owns nothing other than the first time publication rights. Hmm. Um, all rights retained with the photographer and that's part of the copyright. So no, I, uh, I might receive a gift of a photograph from a photographer. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to know, do you have any picture in your home? Do you have photographs on your walls? Um, in my office, I do. What's up? I have, um, that's such a nice question. Um, I have, I have a, I have a beautiful picture from my friend Stanley Green, who um, passed away last year, and he gave me lots of photos. Um, I have uh, two photographs from my old friend Thomas Dvorak, who's over at Magnum now. Um, and I have, um, I have some images from Gerald Sloda who is a um, uh, fine art photographer who works in photo-based um, photography. And I have a few, other, a few other pieces. And not everything has actually migrated up to my wall. What is but. photo-based photography? Oh, photo-based photography is photography that, or rather it's artwork, fine artwork, mm-hmm. that starts with a photographic process. So um, it's often usually something along the lines of a found photo, or a created photo that then may be manipulated in some way through cutting, uh, disassembling, drawing, uh, that type of thing. Cool. So it's like photography that becomes multimedia in a way? No, multimedia is different, actually. Multimedia would be um, video and audio. Ah. You were thinking maybe mixed media. Mixed media. Right? Yes. Yes, mixed it would be the basis of a mixed media uh, type of enterprise. And, and it's um, probably a more common uh, vocabulary in the art photo market. Mm. Your, your, uh, your career, your world is separate from the art world. Would you say that? Well, um, I... Journalism? I, yes, it is, actually. I, and not even journalism, I would say editorial photography. Um, although... Uh, Editorial photography may overlap with fine art photography. Um, More than journalism? Editor- journal- photojournalism would be a subset of editorial photography. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All, photo- all editorial photography is not photojournalistic. 
Um, and huh. some, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I like to work a lot with um, fine art photographers when I can. Um, and, uh, and actually, that's why I like to go to some of these um, portfolio reviews and festivals like PhotoFest or uh, uh, Photo Lucida in, in Portland, Oregon, um, because there tend to be a lot of fine art photographers there. And um, that's a pretty exciting place for me to look at photography also. So Ruben and I had a question, had a conversation last week, and um, I think it'd be really interesting to get your take on this. Perfect. He said that, uh, you know, what do you do if someone shows you a photograph? Um, doesn't have to be a professional photographer, but especially like an, a friend um, shows you a photograph that you don't think is very good. <laughs> what do you say or how do you give them feedback? Well, one thing is that it matters what that person's goal is, because if it's not if I don't think it's good for, for my um, particular enterprise, that doesn't mean it's not a good photo. And mm. if it's mm. a photo that somebody cares a lot and it means a lot to them, then actually that's, to some extent for me, that starts to be the definition of true art. So I, I'm not going to judge that. That's kind of nice. Well, I mean, I, uh, specifically I was thinking a friend shows <laughs> me a picture and says, you know, that they took on their vacation. And I'm not sure there's a a huge emotional attachment, but they're trying to become better photographers and they're like, well, what do you think? And like, I'd like to be supportive. And at the same time, it's like, well, you know, there's no real subject and uh, it, it's kind of gray and dark and I don't like it that much. <laughs> but, but I also try to point out that post-production is important and a lot of consumers don't understand that there's, it comes out of their camera and they think it should be good or bad. And I want to say, yeah, it's a good start. Let's work on it. Um, that actually reminds me of what the uh, Wikipedia definition is for photo editor, which I get a lot, which is it's a software. Oh, man. Post-production. And uh, it gives, you know, so people have no idea. They have no understanding. It is what I actually do. Um, <laughs> They're like, so you're Mrs. Photoshop. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you crop the images, right? I'm like, No. <laughs> I mean, to that end, no, I, I don't know. I think that there's, uh, I, I feel like uh, consumer uh, photography tools um, in phones, especially, um, have really introduced uh, the consumer market to all kinds of um, post-production principles that they didn't, weren't necessarily aware of 10 years ago. Most people didn't know what contrast was or didn't know what, wouldn't be able to identify um, saturation. And they do now. Increasingly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's an Instagram world. So so people kind of know about how to do that. But but I still I I I believe I believe very much in the images that give people joy are whatever they are of are important. Are there any um, publications or uh, other curators that you're really inspired by the way that they sequence and tell visual stories? Um yeah, I think so. I mean, I certainly look at other publications and I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> they did a good job. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to go back to a question you asked earlier, which was the most challenging thing for me yeah. And, yeah. in working with photographers. And the, the answer to that is obtaining access for the photographers. Getting, and Getting them into um, some space or with some person that you want to get shot? Yes. Because How do you it's, solve that? Well, you know, it's it's just it's the the core of being a photographer and a good photographer is getting access to something. 
and making a nice, and making the picture. But if you can't get access, it's the end of the story. Right. Yeah. And you can start making a picture. So, um, so yeah, access. I mean, I spent a lot of time in trying to get access for photographers. Um, the Playboy uh, story spent it was a lot of effort to get that access. Um, I saw a piece that Mother Jones did this week um, that um, photographer Mark Merman, I'm sure, photo editor, I'm sure he spent a lot of effort to get this access. Um, that I, I was really impressed by that. Um, um, getting access sometimes for the politicians, uh, especially exclusive access, is really hard. Um, does that come the, from you? Um, it, it does a lot, yes. I, I spent a lot of time with that. And the other thing I spent a lot of time is pulling permits for the ability to have a professional photographer at a place. That's interesting. I, I just, I presumed that that's the skill of the photographer, getting themselves into spaces and know people. Oh, clearly not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, a lot of it, um, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the, uh, the new Republic or the institution has more weight in, um, um, helping provide access for a uh, photographer than the photographer by themselves. And especially on assignment, I'd imagine then they're legitimized. They're not just not, they're... not on assignment. Um, oh, really? Just a lot of times. Oh, yeah, it's it's amazing actually. So, so and one of the things I try to do um, when I work with photographers also because I may not be able to give them an assignment on something, but I I might be able to help them with access to mm-hmm. get to that place. Hmm. Do you ever have them shoot on spec like um, I'm kind of thinking or we're talking about articles or things that might be produced along these lines and then see what photos come back no no I don't I don't think that's quite fair for uh, uh, industry that's really um, it's a very hard industry to uh, make make a living at Um, and I would not ask a photographer to uh, to go out and produce a story with no financial compensation um, I do um, I do try to support however I can in whatever way um, story creation if they are initiating the story but I would not myself initiate a story without without it being fair and compensated that's, interesting. that's great um, I think we need to wind up although I'd love to have you back on oh, um, this is great <laughs> you know I'd um, love to go through a series of photos with her in the future and see which order she would put them in versus oh, yeah, what orders cool. we would put them in. <laughs> And see what the story kind of how it how it unfolds differently. You game for coming back on, Steph. It's a game. I, we could make a game of it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'd also. Do you want to plug the class that you're teaching? How people can sign up? How they can attend? Oh, let's see. The class I'm teaching is at the International Center of Photography, um, and it is actually part of the year-long um, program that they offer. Uh, they have um, various disciplines, um, and this is pretty much for. Um, it's not a university program necessarily, but um, it's a degree program. So there's a degree in um, I'm going I'm to get these these names wrong, but essentially it's um, visual storytelling, which is photojournalism, um, uh, general studies, which might be more art work, and maybe multimedia is the third one. Um, I know they just changed all of these recently, and this is my first semester, so. Um, so it's very, it's exciting for me and the students are great. Um, a lot of them already have professional experience and a lot of the faculty are working professionals. That's wow. awesome. You'd that also is... be such a great masterclass teacher. If that's uh, <laughs> if you ever have bandwidth, that would be wonderful. Or maybe we can figure out a way to 
integrate Facilitate that, that somewhere. Yeah. I love it. All right, Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on. Such and a pleasure to chat with you guys. It's, it's been a while. Uh, I guess we're going to wrap up and All we'll right. talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Great. Massive thank you uh, to Stephanie Hyman, the director of photography at the New Republic magazine. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos and post comments. Please leave reviews and ratings on iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe. Beautifully said. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time. <laughs>